Welcome to the Mr. Vincent podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent. And with week seven in the book, we got a whole lot to go over. As in this pod, you'll hear recaps of several games, including the horrendous performance by the Patriots against the Niners. Uh, Definitely was a tough sight to watch and still hurts thinking about that. Also, we go over, me and the homie Eves, of course, um, Steelers versus Titans and Seahawks versus Cardinals. Um, we also do highlight the injury to OBJ and also um, the Buccaneers signing Antonio Brown. All that and more. And we also did actually do power rankings. Uh, we gave our top five uh, teams so far. I wanted to do that early on in this pod, but for some reason I couldn't really get to it. But we actually did it in this episode. So we can actually jump into it right now. Here it is. It's the Mr. Vincent podcast episode 66. Tap in. We are recording this right now at uh, 1022 Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the past first? Yeah, we can go, we can go into that. <laughs> uh, all right. So, you know, that might be one of the worst Patriots performance I've seen in my entire life. I, I don't yeah. know if that's the same for you, but that was really, really bad what happened on Sunday. Yeah, it's so – when you remember back way back when we we first when they first signed Cam and I was like I don't even know if he's going to start based on I thought Stidham might know the system better and then I didn't really know I didn't know if Cam would fit in the system like this what he looked like over like the past two games like that's what I was worried about um, yeah man the so the Patriots offensive system, it's based off of like a lot of precision and a lot of timing. And that's never been like Cam's strong suit. He's like a big play guy. He's a, he's an athlete. He's really never been in that position where he's just been more of a cerebral quarterback and relying on his accuracy and just getting into a rhythm. Like a lot of people keep talking about North Turner the North Turner system and Cam being really good in that. And, and it's like mostly like lip service. A lot of like the throws that Cam was making were like check downs. Like he was like throwing to Christian McCaffrey, like in the flat or, or underneath, like he was just getting rid of it. It wasn't, it wasn't like the quick precision passing game that we're used to seeing from like Tom Brady and the Patriots offense in the past. And, yeah. you know, I, what I was worried about with Cam was he always would have, like, the bad throwing mechanics. His footwork was bad. So you see it. He's, like, skipping a lot of balls. He's overthrowing balls because he's just trying to muscle it. And he's he's late on his reads. Like, some of, like the Patriots receivers that kind of get in the bad rap, they're not great by any means. But there have been windows where they're open. And if Tom Brady was there, he would hit it because he would be able to get through the progressions and get make the decisions quick enough. Cam just isn't making the reads fast enough, and he's making the Patriots wide receivers look worse than they actually are. Yeah, man, it's really tough watching them because, like, there's no excuse right now. Um, you mean we know that there was like they had limited practice due to COVID, mm-hmm. um, the COVID outbreaks and whatnot. But this was like a full week of practice that they had, and to come out and have that type of performance is really alarming. And then seeing Cam is like it's like he's been digressing ever since that game in Seattle. 
where we're like, when we've seen that game, you're like, you know what, we might, might be on something here with Kim. But even then, I'm like, you know what, he's going to have to throw a lot more than, than have have more bounce into his um, arsenal as opposed to just running on the running with the ball. Yeah, I don't and, know what's going on. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about like the COVID, like COVID brain fog and all that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to sit there and speculate on that because I have no idea. Exactly. Like, a lot of this is what I've seen from him before. Again, like I've seen the bad footwork. I've seen him taking maybe a little bit longer to make decisions and holding on to the football longer than he should. I've seen all of this, so it's not like surprising. I think. It was surprising maybe in the first couple of games of the season where a lot of like some of his bad habits seemed to be gone. And that probably was likely because of Bill Belichick's coaching. I think maybe him being out of this out of the facility, he got out of those habits and reg- and has like regressed to some of his bad habits. But he can't do that in this offense because right now especially like in the passing game there's no playmakers there's none everybody is like average or below so if you're getting bad quarterback play with like average receivers these are the results you're gonna get and i don't know if he can write the ship i'm i have i have no idea we'll see but it's 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 not going to be good going forward if it stays this way yeah, and like I don't think that we should even be like, can, should we really be shocked that this is happening? Considering, like you said, like we've seen him have like stretches like this before in the past where he just looked god awful in the as um throwing the football. Yeah. So we shouldn't really be too shocked at this um at what's transpiring right now. Yeah, but it's, it's just like yeah, like we we haven't seen that this Patriots team what the first time they lost three games in a row since two thousand two. Yeah, like we're not. Perfect this. I mean. When we when we were talking about it when the season started, I said they look like a seven and nine or a six and ten win to win team to me. It's kind of like I was saying it on Twitter, and then I was telling I was going to say it in the podcast. But basically, it's like it sucks in a lot of ways. But basically, everything that I was worried about and I told you about months ago, it's mm-hmm. all happening, all of it. Cam, Cam, with the I didn't know if Cam would be a good fit based on uh, based on the bad throwing mechanics and the decision making that's showing up. I was worried about the offensive line being like top heavy, and then if they started having like injuries, how that would show up because Dante Scarnecchia, the longtime offensive line coach and assistant head coach, he retired. That's showing up. We've had a whole bunch of guys hurt. We've had a whole bunch of guys. We had guys opt out. We've had guys who were on the COVID nineteen reserve list. They've had to shuffle the offensive line around, and like the, it, the poor play has showed up because Scarnecchio would kind of coach guys up and have the like next man up ready and make it work. But he's not there anymore, and that showed. I was worried about the front seven because of all of the free agency defections and all of the COVID-19 opt-outs. I was saying before the season, I was like, they're probably going to be pretty bad against the run. <laughs> we saw exactly what happened. San Francisco just ran it down their throats. So I don't, I, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it is the, the, the offense is heavily reliant right now. They need the offensive line to be great. And they need Cam Newton to be Superman, but to do it in this offense, 
he needs to be really precise and make really like quick, smart decisions. I don't know what's happened since like the first couple of games of the season because he looks sharp in the first couple of games. Exactly. Yeah, like I, I thought, I thought that we were going to do a decent job with um, containing the, the run since Mozart's been out with the injury, but then Wilson was just doing whatever he wanted to do on the ground and, until he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, um, he, had, he took score like three touchdowns, three touchdowns. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seventeen carries, one hundred twelve yards, uh, three touchdowns. I mean, I told you last week. I mean, I, I, I think I said it quick, but we didn't go into like a real full game preview, but schematically and in terms of like personnel San Francisco is the last team the Patriots wanted to play the Patriots are built to like stop like aerial attacks they're built to stop like the passing game because of like their secondary they're really one they're like light up front they're not super athletic up front so one they're bad versus like wide runs runs that are like getting on like the edge of the defense and they're bad versus, like, heavy physical groupings. San Francisco is both of those. So I I saw it coming. Like, the, you know, Lawrence Guy is still very good, but, you know, the linebackers were getting blown off the ball or they just weren't quick enough to, like, get to the edge when, you know, they would give the ball to, like, Depot Samuel or they'd give it to Jeff Wilson. They were getting to the edge and turning the corner every single time. And then in the second half, um, they pulled – like I I don't know if you saw, they were talking about how Chase Winovich didn't play many snaps. Winovich, he was getting blown off the ball all game long. Like, he's not very, like, physical at the point of attack. Like, you would want him to be. He's not great against against heavy run packages. Um, they took him off the field. They were taking a lot of the linebackers off the field, and they were putting DBs to try to um, counter some of that San Francisco speed to get to the edge. But all they did was just put more blocking out there and and dominated. And, you know, with Kyle, with Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, with George Kittle. George Kittle didn't do much in the air. He was like – he had like five catches for 55 yards. What he was doing, he was doing a lot of blocking and like being a decoy. They they just beat the piss. They beat the piss out of the Patriots. That's that's what they did. They just ran the ball down our throat so we couldn't stop. Yeah, like it was like it was really tough to watch. Like, like I I didn't see that coming. Like that type of um of of the beatdown coming. I didn't think and it was going to be thirty three like, to six. I didn't think it was going to be thirty three to six. I thought San Francisco would make a good game of it. I expected more out of the offense, but it seems like I don't. It might be it might be more than just like a blip with Cam and the bad decision-making and bad mechanics. I thought it would be smoothed out after the Denver game. Like, maybe it was like he was a little bit rusty um, coming off of being um, away from the team because of COVID, but it's like a second week in a row. So, you know, if it happens like a third week in a row, then I th- then you might as well, as far as I'm concerned, you might as well just table table the Patriots offense for good. Mm. Yeah, and then number two, like it sucks that we that we have to play the best division this year too in football right now. Yeah, we have to go get yeah. the NFC West. Yeah, I mean, again, we I, I already talked about in the off off season Patriots, Patriots based off of like you know like the the I think like the win loss records last year they had like the the toughest schedule in the NFL and so far it it, it looks like that's the case with them being two and four. Oof. Yeah. So, did you read? Do you read too much into Stedham coming into the fourth in the fourth quarter to replace Kim? I mean, I felt like that was the right call to make at the moment. 
And I even heard um Keyshawn Johnson talking about like, like um on his on that new show he has, mm-hmm. the KJZ show with Jay Willem and the other guy, mm-hmm. I forget his name. But basically he was just um saying how he feels like that was the right move to make at the moment because why waste like why potentially put him in the risk of getting injured? The game's already over. You could put um sit him in here now and see what you got to work with with him possibly going forward. Basically, I'm just paraphrasing what he said. Exactly. Um, do you think that we can really see Cam get benched for Jerry Stidham? No. <laughs> we, we've seen <laughs> – we've already seen what we needed to see from Stidham and hasn't looked good. Um, Cam gives us the best – gives us the best chance to win, and it's just going to be that way going forward. I, I think that's why maybe um, Belichick was, like, nice. They were talking about, you know, Cam uh, – him, like, tapping Cam on the – on the knee or something after like he benched him. Belichick nope. isn't stupid. Like he knows like he doesn't really have a Super Bowl winning roster. So, you know, we'll talk about some other things that I think may be coming down the pipeline or potential things, but he he knows. He knows that that he ain't he doesn't have much on offense and Cam gives them their best chance to win. I mean Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead have probably been the best players on the Patriots offense. But you know, a quarterback is a quarterback, and Cam is by far the best quarterback on the Patriots roster, like, no question. No, yeah, that definitely. I, I'm with you on that. I There's no way I, I can see Cam getting benched for the rest of the season. Something extreme will have to happen. For that it, ain't, it ain't happening. It's even if it would have to be, like, a situation where, like, Cam gets hurt or something. Like, he's he's not going to get benched instead of – can't do much with what we have on offense. Yeah. So what do, what do, what do you think right now uh, about, you know, obviously um, Tom Brady was doing his thing on Sunday. We can get into that a little bit mm-hmm. more. But now people are saying that, oh, yeah, it's what definitely was more Brady now than more Belichick. I, I, I can't buy that. No. Because, because the situation that we, we're in right now, like we don't have any playmakers on offense. None of our receivers can, can gain separation. Edelman's basically a shell of himself, I want to say. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, like, like, so it's not really fair to assess that when Brady is clearly put himself in the best position possible, which is the smart, smart thing to do with all this investment of riches. And now they have AB coming. So. Yeah. Well, I, I've said it a million times. It's It was both of them. It was not more one than the other. It was the marriage of the two that allowed the Patriots to be as good as they were for so long. I think, but I think one thing that people can no longer say is like, you can't say, oh yeah, Tom Brady had the best system. Um, you know, Tom Brady is like a system quarterback. You can't say that because the Bill Belichick system clearly isn't working for Cam. Basically, with the same same guys, with the same guys, if anything, you know, Nikhil Harry was was a completely like raw rookie and. He only had Antonio Brown for, like, one game. Tom Brady threw for, like, 4,000 yards last year and, like, 26 touchdowns and, I think, what, seven interceptions? I'm just saying off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. He that he was basically making – again, he was just working with spam on offense and making, like, the best possible meal he could. If anything, what I, what I, can, what, what, what I can say is – Okay, now you see that taught that it was it's definitely like not just Belichick. You can't say that. It's fit clearly like 50-50. Um Brady Brady left because obviously he knew like the cupboard was bare and 
it was like not really like a tenable situation for him to like win. Um, I don't blame him for that, but it's 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 kind of just a sad it's a sad situation where it's or it's funny I guess where it always comes up every single week where oh it's radio or it's Belichick or it's radio or it's Belichick. Now it was both. Bill Belichick is an elite coach, and Tom Brady is an elite quarter, is an elite quarterback. Belichick is dealing with an insane, insane situation. When you talk about all the like the defections in free agency, losing like his quarterback that's been there for like twenty years, and then when you're talking about you don't have like a super talented roster and then you're dealing with like all the COVID stuff where the, the facilities closed, it's open, it's closed. Like Bill Belichick has had like a rough go of it. Uh, but I, I think he, the fact that we've won two games where maybe another team would be like, Oh, like Oh, and six, I, you know, I, I have to respect it. So nah, we're it's, it's, it's both. You can't you can't really make any the only thing you can say is like now no one can can say jack shit about Tom Brady at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely say the same sentiment. I always said whoever it was, whoever was more to who was more um the, to the success of the Pats as either 49, 51 yep. percentage wise. Um you can you can take your pick. Talk talk toss it up in the air. <laughs> you see what yep. you get. Yeah, because th- th- like you said, like this is a really tough situation for Belichick, and anybody with common sense would have known that we would not have resembled the team that we've been for the last twenty years without Tom Brady. Um, and then again, throwing the, the COVID variable, yeah, like that, that that's like playing a big part in this. What's going and on the here? Patriots, the Patriots had like the most like key opt outs of of any team in the NFL, and yeah, was it t- total nine defensive yep, plays? Right? Yep, you know. It's like, who who could would have thought, you know? So Danny Shelton, who played a ton on the defensive line, is gone. Malcolm Brown's gone. Hightower's gone. Jamie Collins is gone. Alandon Roberts is gone. Calvin Noy, Patrick Chung, and like Marcus Cannon, who was our starting like right tackle. Tom Brady gone. Like, <laughs> you know, come on! You just think they're just gonna like reload and be good? No, nah, they. If anything, the the thing that like aggravates me is knowing Belichick. He's probably going to win more games than he should with that roster, and he's going to drop our draft pick down. <laughs> oh yeah, that that reminds me. You said that. I remember. I remember when um during the game, you tweeted out like, "See, this is why I wanted us to like not get Cam and just <laughs> and take yeah. the season." If we had if we had gone into the yeah. season with Jared Stidham, we'd probably be like. One in five right now, or or maybe like zero and six, based on how mm-hmm. he's looked. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm looking at, it, I'm like, you know what? You was actually right about that. Based on we're playing right now, we, we would have been better off doing that. I, I, and I don't think it's in it's in Bill Belichick's DNA to like full on tank, but you know, g- generally teams in the NFL don't tank because. That's the type of stuff that gets like your and like your GM or your coach fired, but you know it's Bill Belichick, so he has that kind of cachet where he could go to like to Bob Kraft and be like, "Yeah, let's let's dump some salary, get some draft capital, and figure things out for like 2021 because we're not going to win a Super Bowl with what we got in house." Yeah, I wonder how this is all going over with Bob Kraft, the whole situation. 
I think it's fine. I haven't really heard him. Haven't heard him talk. Haven't even heard any analyst like take that like perspective. Like, what does he think about the social situation? Because I, I, I know I know Brady was his man. You, you know, so, I, 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 I think he. Tampa, I think he's cool so. with it. I think he probably understands that you know at some point Tom Brady was going to have to go. At best, they probably were going to only have Tom Brady for like two or three more years. You know, they've got to figure out. Um, like a successor for him. Unfortunately, Jimmy Caroppolo was supposed to be that guy, but he kind of, the contract situation came up too early for that to happen. So it is what it is. But I think Bob Kraft, Bob Kraft knows the deal. The Patriots have won six Super Bowls. We're tied with the Steelers for the most Super Bowls in like NFL history. He, he, he can, if anybody has earned the right to, to get a chance to like, you know, get have some turnover and ride out maybe like a a, a middling year or two in terms of win loss record. It's Bill Belichick. It'll be fine. Yeah, uh, hopefully they will yep. be fine. All right, yeah. So let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about more of uh, some yep. more games. All right, so we had the uh, the battle of the undefeated teams in which uh, the Steelers came out victorious over the Titans out of mm-hmm. Nashville, uh, 27-24. Um, are you impressed with that victory by uh, the Steelers? Because they, they did give up a big lead and potentially could have blown <laughs> yeah, that game. Um, I wasn't, like, particularly impressed. I do think they're, they're the second-best team. We're, we're going to go over that later. I do think they're the second-best team in football right now. But – you know they they let they let the Titans back into that game with with their interceptions, but you know they the defense showed up. You know um, you know they sacked they sacked um, Tannehill twice. He had six tackles for loss, six pass defense, seven quarterback hits. Um, I don't know if you were able to watch like the game. T.J. Watt was making plays all over the place all game long. Oh yeah, he like he he was he was reading reading the offense. <laughs> yeah, Perfect. and um, you know, Derrick Henry held them below like a hundred yards. They held them below four yards for carry. Um, they let they let Ryan Tannehill make like a play or two, and he was he was still his like pretty like consistently um not didn't make his mistakes. Um, just like you expect, you know. 18 for 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns, but no interceptions against that Steelers pass rush, which is still pretty good. Um, you know, the Titans have played, played three games in 13 days at that point. Like, that's that's nuts that they were able to stay in it. The only reason that they didn't go to overtime was that um, Goskowski uh, missing the 42-yarder to end the game. You know, um, yeah. It was interesting, you know, came back down from 17 at the half. But, again, even though they had three picks, the Steelers were, like, they were 13 They were 13 for 18 on third down. They had, you know, like it was, like, 72% um, mm-hmm. on, on third down. And they got, they got rocked in, like, time of possession. So, <laughs> done. But, uh, I think it might be more telling of how good they are than how good the Steelers are. The Steelers, I do feel like they're the, um, they're the second best team in football. 
but the Titans, I think the Titans have shown that they are like a force to be reckoned with, and they're one of the best teams in football as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, like the, the time of possession was was, was glaring. Yeah. Um, still, still has won that about thirty-seven minutes to twenty-three mm-hmm. minutes. Um, did a great job of keeping them off the field. Um, Darren Henry that is in the first yep. half. Um, eating up the clock like perfect strategy to keep him on the field. And when he was getting the ball, like you said, like they were they had him on lock. Like, that's probably gonna be the best like rush defense in the league. Like, yeah, they you know they stuffed him on some runs. They stuffed him on that run like at the goal line where they were trying to punch it in. Uh, you know, and Roethlisberger was spreading the ball around a lot. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster had like nine catches for 80, 85 yards. Deontay Johnson had another like nine catches for 80 yards. Like, yeah, I, I believe Claypool only had one reception. Yeah, Claypool didn't league. do much. They took him, they were able to take him out the game, but they were to spread the ball around to everybody else, you know, make some plays here and there. It was kind of like a like an average game for the Steelers, more or less, and the Titans showed up even though you know they they had a rough first half. Like the Titans, the Titans were impressive. I I was impressed overall with their performance. I think I think they're definitely going to be a really like dangerous playoff team because of you know any given Sunday. I think they're definitely one of the ten best teams in football. I don't think they're top five, but you know if you might have a good argument if you said they were anywhere between like six to eight, I wouldn't I wouldn't knock you for it. Yeah, I see that. Like I said, I wouldn't have him on my top five either. But you, you, you can definitely make the argument on the bottom, from the bottom of that yeah. five. You can make a case yeah. in there. Um, that that game, that game, um, gets credit gets credit to those who who have the thought that the true MVP of that team is Derrick Henry, as opposed to Tannehill. Even though Tannehill played good, played well enough in the second half to get them back into mm-hmm. the game, connected multiple times with AJ Brown, with um mm-hmm. AJ Brown. Um, the fact that Henry was like. Henry was actually like contained mm-hmm. somewhat in that impression. The first half is, is telling a lot. Like he may be the most valuable player on that team. Yeah, I mean he he is definitely like a big part of that that offense. I, I again for me, I do think having like good, really good quarterback play makes his life a lot easier. Even though defenses do sell out to stop him a lot, it's not. I do I. You know, he wasn't like that when Mariota was around and things definitely changed when Tannehill got to town. Um, but, you know, it's, it's maybe his – he does have, like, a unique value that that shows up on the – that doesn't maybe show up on the stat sheet as much and, like, the threat he presents. Like, the guy just gets it done more often than not, even though defense is doing everything they can to take him out. He's a great back. It's it's crazy to watch him watch him play sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely amazing to watch him play. Ben Roethlisberger in that game, man, like that last that last pick that he threw was just so like unnecessary. Like I thought that, that could have been yeah, avoided. You, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's I don't like two minutes and thirty five seconds left in the fourth quarter, and you throw a pick with with that and that tight coverage, which ends up getting picked off when we try to hit Juju in the end zone, and that that could have potentially cost him the game right there. Yeah. That kind of got me alarmed. A player of his caliber. A seasoned veteran to make that they made that decision in that yeah, moment. Yeah, that's the thing with Ben. Like he's always been like a big playmaker, and like you're just gonna you're just gonna get plays like that from him, where sometimes he'll make them, and then over the course of his career, it's been a thing where, you know, earlier in his career he did that all the time, like trying to press and make a play, he would make mistakes, and then 
gradually over the course of his career, he shaved him down. It's kind of what I was talking about with Josh Allen over like the past, like what, you know, first six games of the season where he's been able to make, you know, cut down on the mistakes, but also still have like that playmaking aspect in his game. So sometimes Bill, uh, you know, Ben, Big Ben is just going to do things like that. It's, it's kind of like the give and take. But usually it's a bit more on like the positive side of thing as opposed to like the mistakes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that, and that game too was really, really key for Pittsburgh. We hadn't really played like a lot of great competition up to that point, so to win that game was like a good, a good barometer for them. The season, yeah, yeah. I would well, say. you know, we're still gonna have to wait a bit. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in how like the how they, it will go when they play the Ravens given how talented the Ravens are. And um, mm-hmm. I'm curious how, because that'll definitely be like a big deal because one, you know, that will, that will put them at, they will, that would be like their first loss if they didn't lose any games up until that point. And mm-hmm. that would, that would mean they would end up like a wildcard team as opposed to a team that would win their division and maybe be in play for a um, a first round buy. Hmm. Oh yeah, there's only yeah. one. Oh, yeah, there's only one. That, that's really yeah, tough. Yeah, right. Technically, right now they have the first round buy for the if, if the play if the season ended right now and the AFC playoffs started, the Steelers would get the buy, and I think. The Chiefs would be the number two seed, and then Baltimore would actually be a wild card team. <laughs> oddly enough, that's oddly crazy. Enough, even though they're five and one, that, that, that that's crazy. The fact that they're here, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild, a wild, wild playoffs <laughs> with it all with uh, with you know. Two wild card teams and uh, and just one buy. That's going to be interesting, man. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so they, they play on Sunday, right? I have, I even look at the, the schedule. They play the Ravens yep. on Sunday, right? Mm, that's 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 gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be the true test. Right <laughs> yep, that's, that's the that's the game okay. of the week to watch, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah, we could take one more quick break and then come back and talk about the uh, Cardinals okay. and Seahawks. Um, Sunday night football. We've seen uh, the Cardinals defeat the Seahawks in overtime, thirty-seven, thirty-four. Interesting game throughout. I might add. Yeah. I might add. Um, I get obviously the highlight of the game was the insane play by Metcalf to prevent that um, that <laughs> touchdown off, off the uh, potential off, off the pick in the end zone by uh, Russell Wilson. That, that was, no, that is crazy. He outran so many yeah. people from the point he was at to actually pick up that speed and make that play is insane. Yeah, so I think I ever read this. So it's 114.8 yards that he covered to save the touchdown and he hit a he hit a high of 22.64 miles per hour. But the thing that I saw is you ever when you play Madden, did you ever used to like create a player? 
Well, I nah. did sometimes. And some some you know, sometimes I would just go for broke and just max out everything and I would make them like huge. That's what he kind of like looked like because if you see it, like we made Buddha Baker like look like a child, and then he's like six three, two hundred and thirty pounds, outrunning everybody, just like and then drops the guy like that's that was just crazy. DK Metcalf is like he's like a cyborg. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think the dude of ESPN, Marcus Spencer, that, he, that he's from Wakanda, he tweeted that. <laughs> I didn't like, see that. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, yo, that's funny. Like, no, I'm, I've never. That's like that's easily the play of the year. So oh, yeah. in the early season. That that Still, play, that play was not, play it's kind of funny though. How there's always like a new play of the year every 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 week, because like up until up until right before, until he did that, you know, I think the play of the year was. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry's stiff arm on Josh Norman, but you know, so oh, yeah. like, there's always some new highlights for people to look at. But yeah, uh, yeah, the Seahawks, well, the Seahawks traded for Carlos Dunlap, um, the defensive end from the Bengals, because he wanted out. He, I don't know if you saw, Carlos Dunlap was literally like on Twitter talking about trying to like sell his house because he wanted to get out of Cincinnati so bad. <laughs> even before they traded him. Mm-hmm. So they traded uh the Seahawks traded for him, but they're really bad, man. They're giving up like five hundred plus yards a game. You know, Jamal Adams, like, you know, their big safety. He hasn't been in since I think week three. I'd have to double check. But even with him there, they still weren't all that good against the pass. They were just a bit better against the run. They didn't. They didn't have any quarterback hits on Kyler Murray. They didn't sack him at all in that game. They had, I think, only one pass defense. Like it, mm, they were getting cooked. So, like right now, it's kind of like all on Russell Wilson to carry the Seahawks. And if he doesn't like play like out of this world, if he makes any mistakes at all, it seems like the Seahawks can't win. Even though you know he. Yeah, 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 he had three turnovers, and then they still only lost by like three points in OT. But, but still, like they got to do something again about that defense. If the defense was even decent, even decent, I would have them in the top five of the NFL. But I don't because they give up so many points. But I, you know, I do have them in the top ten, and that's just based off of Russell Wilson's play alone. Russell Wilson right now is playing quarterback better than everybody else in the NFL. But it... Hey, um, since he lost, all uh, right, well, the Seahawks lost, is, is he still, you think, yeah, league MVP yeah. right now? I mean, he's fallen back to earth a bit, but he's still, uh, he, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's still pretty much the lead dog for for the MVP by, by a good amount. Uh, I think he's just he's he's in his bag, man. It's it's nuts. I I was looking at some of the stats. Like he's, I think he's like ninth in terms of like air yards per like attempt, but he's completing like mm-hmm. seventy, like over seventy percent of his passes, which shouldn't even like be like possible. Like he's throwing like the basically it's he's taking like because he has like two of the best deep ball receivers in football right now with Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Lockett, yeah, Lockett, Lockett had like 15 yep. catches for 200 yards and three TDs. And then Metcalf on the other side, who's also a great deep ball receiver. You know, he's throwing deep a, a fair amount. He's in the top 10 in throwing deep, but he's completing like 70% of his passes, which is shouldn't even be like a thing. That's like not – that shouldn't like be possible. 
like Drew Brees will be one who's like completing like 70 plus percent of his passes, but he's like dinking and dunking. When you're hitting that kind of like completion percentage, usually that's what you're doing, but that's not what he's doing at all. So Russell Wilson is not a game. He is not playing with nobody. Like he, people should be afraid of that guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. He's still in my my MVP right now. It's just funny how people's list, list changes week by week. But again, I'm I guess that's what we do because the season's early, so every game is like counts for the yeah, most part. I, I, but yeah, I, he's still I, the MVP even though Rodgers above him up until that Buccaneers game because he's been doing more with less. But he just got dominated in a way that hasn't happened to Russell Wilson yet. Yeah, he like threw three picks, but he still threw for like. He threw for 388 yards. He threw for three touchdowns to go up against those interceptions. And then he also – actually, both yeah. quarterbacks led um, both of the teams in rushing, both Kyler and um, Russell Wilson did. But Russell Wilson had six six rushes for, like, 84 yards. Like, <laughs> the guy, that guy is not, not, not messing around. Yeah, man, he's he's definitely focused this year. I think he actually really wants, really wants the, to win you know, that. The let Russ Cook movement has been going very well for him so far. <laughs> yeah, it just sucks that it seems like he just can't. He just has a lot of bad moments in that arena. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and that's it's, it's one of those things where that's actually one of those things I was saying, you know, last week where sometimes when you're playing like a team in your division even if you're usually, like, really good, you can end up losing. Like, the Patriots, you know, Tom Brady would always have trouble in, like, Miami. They would always – yeah, you know, you'd always have like, – In Miami. Game. And, you know, this, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, you know, they rocked the, the, the Rams last week. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, you're always going to get t- those tough games in division – and then people who don't see you as much like outside of the division, it might be like a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that, that's real. Um, it's crazy. We were talking about it earlier. Like I said, that this is the best division that every team has. Well, outside of the Niners, have yeah. five wins now. Niners have four. Yeah, and it's it's a testament <laughs> to like, and it's a testament to like Kyle Shanahan. Even though you screwed up in like the Super Bowl, it's a real testament to – I mean, and they also did play the Jets and the Giants, but they've also beat the Rams and the Patriots, and they're, they're not bad teams. It's a testament to to the coaching and maybe, like, some of the depth that they have on that team that they've been able to make it work even though they've had so many players hurt. Yeah, so many, like, so many, like, hits to that, to that roster. You've seen Kittles out for a while. Yep. Bowles is out for the year. Uh... And they're still able to like yep, be Solomon relatively Thomas, competitive. Like, I, don't, I don't think Richard Sherman's played at all this year yet, and he should be coming back soon. It's it, you know they had to they traded away DeForest Buckner. Like they, it's it's nuts, man. It's it's crazy that they've been able to to put together such a good team. Like when maybe when they get everybody back next year, they definitely will be in Super Bowl contention most likely. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. Um, so mm-hmm. get back to the uh, the game. Um, the Cardinals. It, it kind of felt like to me that they're a little bit ahead of schedule. Or am I just oh, oh, reading in too um, much into this game? Because Kyler Murray is looking like he's like like legit. I I, I see people on TV saying like questioning whether or not he's an MVP candidate. Like, no, let, let's not go that far. 
but he has looks yeah, really, I mean, really before promising. The season, man. I was saying like he, I had him as like a potential like dark horse candidate for MVP. I don't think he's going to reach that height. He's had he's been up and down. Yeah, and he's a second year player, so it's I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's to be expected, but he's still taking like a jump. Um, you just need a little bit more consistency. There's just some, there's a little bit of weirdness in the offense, but I think with him and DeAndre Hopkins being there, they definitely got like a good base to build around going forward. I think they're gonna be fine. I Kyler Murray, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. In, in a few years from now, he's just so talented and, you know, the mobility, the ability to throw the football, he's got like, I mean, he's, he's a Russell Wilson, him and Russell Wilson are just like looking at each other in the mirror, except I mean, one guy's older, one guy's younger. Like they have like the same, same exact ability, yeah. the escapability, the arm strength. He's got good touch on the deep ball. He just needs to, get some more reps and get more like experience when it comes to like seeing defenses and Kyler Murray is kind of like scratching the surface, even though it looked, the water looks pretty deep. So he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a great, great quarterback. Yeah. I, I like the fact that he's poised and that when he does like make moves, like make move running the basketball, he's fairly like conservative. It doesn't take a lot of big, doesn't try to take yeah, a lot of big yeah. hits. He's, you know, he's got that baseball in him where he can, he can slide and, He's got great escape abilities, really compact, just great quickness. It's 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 very interesting watching him and Russell Wilson being on the field at the same time. We're gonna get it twice a year going forward. Like that's nuts. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, twice a year, those two. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's gonna be dope. And it's funny because you mentioned he played baseball. Yeah. Didn't Russ play baseball yeah, they too? Both did. And they both, both played baseball. I think that's actually why. Um, that, I think that's why he left. I think originally he was at NC State, and his coach mm-hmm. didn't want him to to do both um, football and baseball. He he wanted him to concentrate on football and like be there for like spring as well. And Russell Wilson wasn't feeling it, so that's why he ended up transferring to Wisconsin so he could play baseball as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I, I believe they both got drafted in MLB. Yeah, Kyler on, on was a first round draft pick, and I think I don't remember where Russell Wilson was picked. It was, I think, it was like later on in the draft. But Kyler Murray was like a he was a first round MLB draft pick. Yeah, that, 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 that's insane. <laughs> that is insane. When he went on to choose football, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what's up, yo. Um, yeah, I mean, that game, I felt like th- that was a really bad offensive – it was the right call, obviously, in overtime when when um, he connected with um, – Russ connected with Metcalf, and he had the touchdown offensive um, – He was offensive holding. Offensive holding? That was a holding on the offense. Too, because, man, that was a great play. That was, yeah, I, and, I, and I don't even think they think that the, that the defender needed to even right. do that, to put himself in that position. Right. It's, it's, right it's, um, it's one of those things. It's like – Russell Wilson and the offense kind of have to do too much right now in order for the Seahawks to win. And it's like, damn, <laughs> if the Seahawks could just get like one extra stop a game, they might be undefeated. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like 
seeing those those teams go at it twice a year is going to be entertaining, and we'll see that yep. hopefully for yep. a long time in the league. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so OBJ went down, season injury, uh, yep. another uh, ACL injury, mm-hmm. another one to add to the list for this year. That sucks, man. I, I like OBJ a lot. I'm, I'm upset the fact that he had to be in that situation in Cleveland. Um, he hasn't. I feel like his talent is kind of getting oh, wasted for the fact is. that he hasn't played yet with an elite receiver who's going to get him the who's going to get him the ball. Um, do you think that this is going to like that? This is going to jeopardize like his career in terms of like being a like uh, first ballot Hall of Fame player in the Hall of Fame? He's definitely not. I don't. Yeah. The, really. I mean, if you just go back or go over like his like last few years, like the production really isn't there, and I don't really see it going to be the it see it being there going forward unless he gets out of Cleveland. Um, he's probably one of the most talented wide receivers I've ever seen, uh, but yeah, his prime has been wasted, and I think he's turning thirty for the next season, and he just tore his he tore his ACL. Yeah basically in almost November and he probably will be ready for like training camp, but he probably won't be as explosive as he once was until maybe like in a year and a half from now. And the connection hasn't been there with Baker. I don't know if it's a situation where he ends up getting like traded because his, his value is going to be depressed because one of his contract and two, he's coming off of a, a knee injury and a lot of his game is him being like explosive. But he's like, you know, he was the kind of player where he could take like a short slant to the house. Um, coming off of his ACL yep. injury, I don't know if that's going to be there um, anytime soon. And then by the time he does heal up, he's probably going to be around 31, 32 years old. Yeah, that the timing of this injury is bad, real bad for him. I feel bad. Um, he's definitely lost a lot of money because of that, and his prime has been wasted in Cleveland. It's a damn shame. I don't know if he's going to be able to get out of there. It's just a bad situation all around for him. Yeah, man. And obviously those years he had playing with Eli. <laughs> he made Eli look way better than he was. It's, it's like <laughs> the guy's never played with an elite, an elite quarterback in his career, not once. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, that sucks. Like, yeah, but like, in fact, he, he had a history already of injuries too already. Didn't you add that to the yeah, list? Uh, it's like, uh, yeah. damn. And the fact it had to happen off of a, yep. a damn interception by Baker, who played yep. well throughout the rest of the game. But at that moment, he gets hurt trying to turn into a defender. Exactly. Because of what Baker did. reminds me like um, Terrell Davis's career ending, ending injury. He was actually chasing somebody down on an interception as well. Yep. <laughs> wow. Man. So we got um, two. Um, so AB. Reports are saying that he's going to go to most like it's a Seahawks. And now all, all of a sudden, here comes the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Clearly, yeah. this, this is Tom Brady motivated yeah. to get AB a- down there. Um, now, Brady already has, like we talked about already, the, the best receiving core in the football. I mean, the only team that can compete, I would say, is the Chiefs. But this is clearly the best receiving core. Add Antonio Brown to the mix and the slot. Yeah. So that's scary. There's a lot there for me. One, I feel like because people are saying like it, it smacks of like a desperation move and. I don't I don't 
I don't no. see it that way. I think maybe they're looking at it too. They're having too insular a focus. The talk was the Seahawks were looking at signing him, and I've already talked. To, we've already just just said it already. Like Russell Wilson has basically two deep ball receivers, and he's crushing everybody with the deep ball receivers. And if he got Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown would be like their underneath guy in the slot the Seahawks offense would be unstoppable. So I kind of almost look at it as a one, one, it keeps Antonio Brown out of the Seahawks hands, which is somebody that they could potentially see in, in the playoffs. And then they, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have both been banged up. Like, I don't know if you saw Chris Godwin actually fractured his, yeah, it's actually his left yeah, index finger. So he's not going to be playing in ah. Monday Night Football. And then I think Mike Evans has had like a gimpy knee and he just hasn't been all the way healthy over like the past like few games. So AB is like really welcome. So And it gives, and it gives him another threat yeah. because they lost Howard for the year. Exactly. So, so just another threat that can be in, on the field. You know, if AB can keep his keep it together and not turn into like a locker room problem or even like an on the field or off the field problem, it makes a whole bunch of sense. So right now with AB, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, it kind of gives them multiple interchangeable pieces on offense. So generally, Mike Evans is their X receiver or the split end. And then Chris Godwin will kind of baby bounce in between being like the flanker, which is the Z, or the slot, which is the Y. AB A, B can do all three positions. Godwin can do all three positions. You wouldn't usually see Mike Evans in the X and in, um, in the slot, but I think you possibly could end up seeing it. So the X receiver plays on the line of scrimmage so the, the cornerback can get right up on him and jam him at the snap. And then usually that receiver is a little bit more physical, fights off the jam, gets downfield. Your flanker and your slot receiver are behind the line of scrimmage so that if a DB wants to jam him, they, they can potentially miss. And then, you know, like the receiver can build up either head of steam or go left or right whatever it is. AB kind of can do all three, as I've already said. And what I think what they might do is they can put AB on the outside and they can do things like move Mike Evans into the slot and then send him on vertical routes up the seam and then kind of replace that aspect of their offense that OJ Howard used to provide because it used to be OJ Howard doing that. Because I, I, what a lot of people don't know is when um, – I don't. Do you remember when Bruce Arians used to coach the Cardinals? So a thing, a wrinkle that he put yeah. into the Cardinals' offense was he moved Larry Fitzgerald inside from the X receiver. He moved him into the slot, and at first, Larry Fitzgerald kind of buckled against it. But what he was doing a lot was basically he was just sending him deep up the seam up against, you know, slot DBs. Usually, slot DBs are kind of like they're on the smaller side. And they're not, they don't really have like the top end deep speed because slot receivers are more guys with like wiggle, guys like Edelman who have like that, they're going left to right when they're getting, 
when they, you know, because usually as the slot receiver will have a two way go because he's in the middle of the field. Um, I think they're gonna, they might bring Mike Evans inside and just have that six five guy with deep speed going up the seam, and they can put AB and Chris uh, Chris Godwin on the outside and let them do work out there. And then on the very next snap, they could they could just switch them around, and they could be confusing the hell out of defensive coordinators, and they won't really know how to key on people, so they'll be able to free people up. So we'll see if that happens. But yeah, Brady was somebody like a was somebody like AB who just knows how to get open quick, and Brady and someone like Brady who makes quick decisions and will get rid of the football. You don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you you really 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 exactly. don't. but it gives Arians is a smart coordinator. Byron Leftwich so far has been um, really smart, and with Tom Brady there and all those minds, they'll be able to do some pretty interesting things with with the personnel they got. And then Gronk Gronk's come alive a bit. He's still not he's still not as explosive as he once was. Yeah. He's probably not that same player in between the 20s but it was just just like i said you know in the end zone you don't want to see them man like you know right now what in the past two games 15 touchdowns one interceptions for for tom brady uh, gronk is kind of figuring out the that yeah he may not be like like a vertical threat or intermediate threat like he used to be but when it comes to like end zone or possession type catches he's He's using the body control and the hands to make the plays. Yep, yep. still got the crazy like, raise, what, rate, catch radius. What did I say when, when you know we were starting out the season before we saw anything? I was like, it'll be a work in progress for like the first half of the season, but you probably are not going to want to see that Bucks offense in the second half. And we're coming up on week eight, and brought and Tom Brady starting to hit his stride. <laughs> and they got they got a pr- go ahead. Yeah, yeah he, definitely, he definitely is. Um, they're looking like it's oh, really yeah. like championship of bust. Oh yeah, they're so as look, as as concerned, like, they're they're one of the most balanced teams in all of football. They're probably and then of the three Super Bowl contenders in the NFC, which are them. Well, four them. The Packers, the Seahawks, and the Saints, they're the most balanced right now. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely uh, not even close. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like Super Bowl or bust, and they could definitely potentially win the division with how with how you know the 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 Saints have looked lately. But you know, they they have a fairly easy schedule mm-hmm. coming up. Outside of the Saints, like they're playing they're playing the Giants on Monday. That should be an easy game. We'll see. They're playing the Saints again the week after that. But then the following after that, they have like the Panthers. So, you know, Vikings, they got the Falcons, they got the Lions. I mean, they've got two games against the Falcons. They have the Lions, they have the Vikings who are really bad. Like the only really tough games that they have left on their schedule are like the Chiefs, Rams, and Saints. Everything else, they they should win. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's definitely a relatively easy schedule considering how they're clicking right now and the piece yep. that they're going to add to their to their already like dynamic offense. Tom Brady yeah. in the playoffs that's with a scary, whole bunch man. with a whole bunch of toys. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now I'm like, I, I can see why yeah. he wanted to leave New England and go to that situation with everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the games are so much easier for him. Like, and, and in fact, he's at, at this advanced age, you, you, need, you need this. You need to have some some relief. Yep. I mean, and he has that right now down in Tampa Bay. Did you see that throw he 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 threw to Scotty Miller at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the second quarter in that game? Did you see that highlight? Uh, it was a deep overthrow. Did I see that throw? He, he no. dropped it into a damn bucket over Scotty Miller's shoulder in stride. If he puts it six inches forward, it would have been out of bounds. Like it was. Yo, he dropped a dime deep ball. Like it was, it was one of those. Oh yeah, Tom Brady can't throw deep, and he threw a perfect deep ball to Scotty Miller for a touchdown, ten and a half against the Raiders. Dropped it where only Scotty Miller could get it. Like it was like, basically, like you remember that throw that um, Russell Wilson dropped to to uh, DK Metcalf when we played them in, in week two. Like it was that good. Like it was, <laughs> you know. Oh, wow. so there's nothing wrong with Tom Brady's arm at all. <laughs> yeah, man. It's crazy. Like, he hasn't really lost much. If he has lost anything, which he probably has because, I mean, he's 43 years old. All the time is undefeated. Yep. But he's still a damn good quarterback. All right. So, yeah. So, I, so I thought we could do a, a, yeah. up some power rankings. Yeah. So, for me – you know, Top five I still have football? the Chiefs number one, even though they lost to the Raiders. And, you know, they had like a ho-hum game last week. Okay. Mahomes was kind of average. They've been doing – they've been running the, the offense through through Clyde Edwards-Alaire a lot. They've been, you know, really running the football. But Patrick Mahomes can take over the game at any time. He's like a cheat code. And even in their, their loss their – loss, he almost got them there, uh, even though the Raiders were doing their thing. So as far as I'm concerned, he's still like number one. Uh, the, the Steelers are number two for me. That defense is the best defense in the NFL. They they can get home with their pass rush versus anybody, and they have a decent, a pretty good secondary. You know, with Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden and those guys and. They're they're the best against the run. Well, I think they might be second best. I think the Ravens might be the top overall, but even still, they're number I think either number two or three. Um, right now, I yeah. have the Bucks number three for reasons we've already discussed. They they might be the best, that most heavy, most balanced team in football between uh, you know their offense and their defense, and their offense is only going to improve. Uh, the Packers I have at number four with Aaron Rodgers having, you know, a great season and they got Devontae Adams back. They still have those good running backs. Jair Alexander, their corner, he's he's actually he's quietly like probably playing the best in the league or damn near the best at cornerback in the entire NFL. And then number five for me is the Ravens, Lamar Jackson and those boys. I do still need to see a little bit more from him as a pure passer. They signed Des Bryant to their practice squad. I don't really think that's going to mean anything, really. He's probably just going to be there, and then maybe you'd be like a third or fourth receiver at best. He's not going to be like a difference maker. We'll see if they – they did trade for Yannick Ngakwe, mm-hmm. the defensive end from – 
the he well he was on the Jaguars and wanted to get out, so they traded him to Minnesota. Minnesota's bad, so they traded him again um, to improve that defense, which is already great even more. But um, I I think they're fifth. And we'll see how that turns out when they play the Steelers this Sunday. Uh, yeah, so you, mm-hmm. make, you make a good case for your list. And I, I, was, I was a good list. Um, so, okay, so I got the Bucks number one. Mm-hmm. I'm going off what I've seen the last two weeks, clearly. And we, talk, we talked about that already. Like, most balanced team, Brady has all these weapons. They're going to get A-B, yep. what, in two weeks, essentially? So going forward, I think that this team is gonna gonna like probably finish with the best mm-hmm. record in the potentially in the um in the conference. And I don't know how teams are gonna stop them unless they get the Brady early, which is gonna be relatively which isn't gonna be easy, mm-hmm. but if they can get the Brady early, you mm-hmm. have a chance of beating them. So that's why I got them in number one. Number two. I, I put the Seahawks in number two. I, we talked about we gave some of superlatives earlier for Russell Wilson. He's playing. He's the clear-cut MVP of the season so far. Yes, the team does give up a lot of runs, but he makes it happen on offense. And with those deep threats he has in Lockett okay. and Metcalf, I have to go with them in number two. Uh, number three, I went with the Steelers, the only undefeated team in the um, – yep. I believe in the NFL, definitely in the conference. But I believe the NFL too, only undefeated team. Um um, what, what? Hold on one second here, because I've lost my uh, train of thought here with this team. Um, yeah, uh, uh, they have great wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, a very good wide receiver core with Claypool mm-hmm. um, and um, Juju. Obviously, they still got mm-hmm. I think does just work on the ground. Um, with Connor, uh, Ben's a little shaky for me. Like, like I mentioned, like I, I don't know some of the decisions he makes kind of throws me off. But that defense is elite, as you mentioned. We've seen it on Sunday, doing able to do a good job of mm-hmm. slowing down. Um, that freight train that hits Derrick Henry. I, so I had to go with them in number three. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with the Chiefs in that situation. Yep, the reigning Super Bowl champions, reigning, mm-hmm. the reigning uh, Super Bowl MVP and Pat Mahomes. Uh, you know what? They haven't really been like real, like like, like the, the Chiefs mm-hmm. that we are accustomed to seeing over the last like couple of years. I, they haven't had a lot of like explosive offensive games for them, but still with that, with, with Andy Reid as their coach, Pat Mahomes, I, I, mm-hmm. I, and they're still playing – Good enough, obviously. Um, I feel like they're going to do a lot better as the season progresses and you know, they get more healthy along the way. And then five, I'm going with the Ravens, who are the leading rushing team with that um, duo of Ingram mm-hmm. and um, Lamar Jackson, obviously, and a top 10 defensive team. Um, again, but I just want to see them like really do a better job of playing from behind. And obviously, like you mentioned, once how was um, Lamar going to be in the postseason? As, as his, his first two showings hasn't been really impressive at all, but that's my five. No, I mean, I, I can't, can't I, I, like I, Green, I Bay. Green Bay over the Seahawks because the defense is horrible, horrible. They're giving up, they're giving up like 500 yards a game. And, <laughs> and, he, and then look at this. I mean, you know, look how bad Cam Newton's been. And he hasn't even done much throwing the football. He threw for 400 yards against the Seahawks mm-hmm. defense. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like the, that's they—they they can't stop the pass at all. Like every game, every game the Seahawks have played in has been a shootout. Like, yeah, they have, they have, you know, they have Russell Wilson, but it's it's one of those things where you—he's going to tell me that uh, even as great as Russell Wilson is, like you really trust him to 
to win a shootout with the Packers where, you know, he might have to deal with the fact that they have Jerry Alexander on the other side or, or, and then it's a Darius Smith or when he's playing like the Bucks where he's running for his life all game. And then, and um, Levante David or, you know, <laughs> Devin White is spying him and they can go sideline to sideline as fast as any linebacker in the league, except maybe, I don't know, Bobby Wagner, who's on, who's on the Seahawks, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I trust him. And, well, I do trust, I do in Russell Wilson, I trust, but it's like, he's got to like, be like perfect in order for, for them to win. And it's like, I don't know if you can sit there and be perfect come like playoff time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we can we can revisit yeah, this yeah. like next like few weeks. Little power rankings we can do. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I I, I definitely hear the concerns for the Seahawks. Yeah, he, I mean, is, he has to. Play out of, out He's playing. Right they're now. lucky yeah. that he is. he has to play out of his mind for the Seahawks to win right now. That's not. That's not. I don't know if that's necessarily something yeah. that you like. Want, like where your quarterback has to be like be thrown for like. 350 yards, 70% complete, a whole bunch of touchdowns, and then you only win by like one score. That's not <laughs> that's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, like having to do a lot, a lot is going to be yes. a heavy burden exactly. as, as the exactly. season progresses and then going into the playoffs in your life. All right, yeah. So we, we so let's, we'll see. One, I did. Um, I did. Right a couple of things good. that you got to keep an eye out for because we got one more week before the trade deadline. The trade deadline oh. is, I think, next. Uh, yeah, it's the third, and I think at like at five. I think it's the third. Right? So um, Yannick and Gakwe already got traded. Um, the Cowboys, they basically like. They're basically having like a fire sale or getting rid of salary and getting rid of players. They traded Everson Griffin, who they signed in free agency. They traded him to the Lions, the defensive end. Uh, they had um, the cornerback, Darrell Worley, and then their nose tackle, Don Terry Poe. Those, both of those guys were up on the trade block, but nobody wanted them, so they cut them. Um, the thing there is they're people. Based on how they look, people are saying they might lose the entire slate of the rest of their games because of how bad Andy Dalton's been. Um, they, they went from throwing – like Dak was throwing for like 400 yards a game with with that offense, and then Andy Dalton's been like maybe around – he got hurt, so he only had like 111 yards last week, but the week prior he had like 261, so they aren't any good. But – if they lose all the rest of their games going forward, Dak might have played his last game as a Cowboy because they will be in play for um, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I don't think they'll be in the Trevor Lawrence conversation because he's. I don't think they're going to get the number one pick, but I think they'll be picking high enough where they could legit pick Justin Fields or Trey Lance, and they have to. They have no – I. If they don't, they're stupid because they're going to get a talented quarterback that they have under their control for four or five years, and then they can spend money to fix their team elsewhere, and that can walk. If that happens, Colts, Bears are definitely like candidates for someone to try to sign him in free agency because 
the Bears are like a an, an elite quarterback away from being like a legit Super Bowl a Super Bowl contender, and then yeah, the Colts yeah, have like, like a decent defenders. situation with like a really good offensive line, decent defense, and then some pieces there where if they added like a quarterback and maybe like another like receiver or something, they could be a really good team. Denver, I don't know. We'll see if they just decide. Oh no, we don't want to go with Drew Lock, and then we want to have Dak Prescott with some of these like young re- wide receivers, and then get back. Hopefully, get back a healthy Von Miller um, the next year and see what they can do because then they could have somebody who could possibly compete with Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Texans, we already talked about this. So they had the Laramie Tunsil trade. They traded for basically they, they the Texans traded for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills for their 2020 first round pick and their 2021 first round and second rounder. So that twenty that twenty twenty um, first rounder turned out to be the twenty sixth pick in the draft. They're probably going to be looking at like a top ten pick that they traded away and a top fifty pick that they traded away to get Laramie Tunsil. So they need to like they need to get draft capital, and they're already tied up against the cap as well. So Will Fuller, their wide receiver. He's he gets hurt a lot, but he has good deep speed. He's a potential trade target because he's he has an expiring contract. So some teams might get him. The Packers are supposedly looking into looking at him. I don't know what that might look like, but that's a name you might hear get traded to the Packers, which would be nuts to have his kind of speed outside of Devontae Adams. JJ Watt. He's kind of like a pillar of the team in the community, so I don't know if they they're gonna pull the trigger. But he, I don't know if you saw, he's like really frustrated with the losing, and he, I think he might want to get out of there. Um, he's looked pissed like on his uh, Zoom. So he um, he turns thirty two in twenty twenty one. He's got like a seventeen and a half base salary. Um, it's it's a bit of an like a kind of like an albatross to try to trade, but. I think there's definitely a team out there who could absorb absorb the cap where they could send them out there and maybe get like a like a second between a second to I don't think they would trade them for a fourth, but maybe like a second to a fourth. And they need all the draft picks that they can get to try to get people in there because they don't really have the cap space the Texans do. Um Adam Thielen in Minnesota, the wide receiver, he's on the block because they need to shed salary and Justin Jefferson is like um I don't know if you've seen some of the numbers he's put up but he's like put up like the best numbers for like a rookie wide receiver a rookie first round wide receiver since like OBJ like he's that good with Kirk Cousins so um Adam Thielen has become expendable um but they're asked, supposedly asking for like a second round pick or a fourth round and a fourth rounder Supposedly, like either the Browns or Patriots will get into him. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but the big deal is whether or not Bill Belichick might trade Stephon Gilmore. Ted. Yeah, I, I see that today. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it all makes, you want to trade somebody who just came off of winning? It may, financially, yeah. yeah. So financially, I, I have to be financial because. Financial um, all right. So right now. With the Patriots, nobody, nobody on their roster currently is going to be making eight million dollars in base over like on next year's. I think 
So on next year's cap, the highest on the next year's team for 2021, the highest person up the highest the person who's going to be paid the highest on the team is Dante Hightower. I think he's due eight million on his contract if he comes back from after he comes back from COVID because his contract is like suspended basically. So he's due eight million. Gilmore is right now, I think he has like a seven million base salary. So one, that's because he's like he already got paid like all the upfront money and he's like big money free agent deal. So he's one, he's gonna want more money and um he's turning he's turning 30 next season. So he's he has a really cap friendly contract that the that Bill could trade and get get draft capital for. Like if between how good he is and the mm-hmm. contract situation, Bill would get at least like a second round pick for him. And I I don't know, given how Bill Belichick is, he doesn't like to sign guys who are going to be older. I don't know if they would be able to work out like a new deal because you probably would want like Jalen Renzi type money where he's making like 19 million a year. I don't know if Bill Belichick wants to pay pay that. So right now, Bill like. Bill has to be looking at it like Stefan Gilmore is like a big trade chip for him and he could trade him away, move JC Jackson up to being the number one corner on the team, especially given that JC Jackson's only 24 and then JC Jackson, his contract is expiring, but he, he doesn't have, he's not a fully vested veteran. So he's a restricted free agent. So Bill, if they can't work out a long-term deal, Bill could just give him a first round tender and then potentially franchise him the next year. So he'd still be decently cheap. And then Stephon Gilmore put his house up for sale. And then if he, um, if, and then it, the due date for like an offer is like an hour before the deadline, <laughs> the trade deadline next week. So who knows what's going to happen there. But if, if they do yeah. trade, then it's like, uh, you know, basically like a, a low key tank for the Patriots. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe around like one o'clock okay. or like two o'clock in the afternoon, he put his house up. Um, someone found out that he, he did that. Like he didn't put like his name on it, but he put oh, his house up for sale on the low. So uh, there's that. That's the mm-hmm. big deal. We might be seeing Stefan Gilmore shipped out in New England. Honestly, I probably would do it. No, but based on what, based on the, the reason that you yep. gave, it, it, that makes sense. Not that I think about it. Yeah. Well, definitely. Look, yes, we can get something to look out for. Yep. Everything you mentioned, but we come up with a trade deadline coming up. Yeah. Um, slowly approaching. We got patience and all that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Appreciate yeah, it, yeah, man. Just gonna hey, get some, finish finish some nice homework, homework. Send, send some stuff in, get to bed so I can get up and work out in the morning. Uh, I, mean, I hear that, man. You gotta, you gotta, gotta right. put working every day, whatever you do. And it up. All right, my guy. We'll, we'll yes, be sir. talking on social media and then get ready for the games. All right, All right, thanks to the homie Eves. Thank you to Anchor. And of course, thank you guys for tapping in and listening. Hey, and if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you do. 
This podcast is available just about wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just to name a few. You can also keep up with me at social media, Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13 and like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Um, that's all the time we have for now. I'm looking to do an episode relatively soon. Be on the lookout for that Monday. It should come out. Um, I'll have details on that on my social media platforms. Um, until then, you guys stay blessed, stay safe, take care.